My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention, when behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. The Gospel of the Lord. How often have you asked God to give you a sign? When we reflect on that question, it probably happens more often than we might initially think. God, what am I supposed to do with my life? Lord, is this the person I'm meant to be with? Should I go there and do this? Jesus, give me a sign that you love me. This one is usually followed with a suggestion on how he might do that. And it's understandable because we're told God loves us, that he answers every one of our prayers. So in a way, we admit that maybe we're a little dense. Perhaps we might have missed that answer or not clearly understood his plan when, when things aren't going the way we think that they should. So we want some clarity, some understanding, some reason brought into whatever situation it is that we find ourselves in that causes us to pray in this way where we're looking for more clues, for more evidence of God's presence, His activity in our lives, that we want to sign. Because we've heard or seen so many variations of the Christmas story over the years, different details and aspects of it are so familiar that others can kind of get overlooked. We know that both Mary and Joseph had an angel tell them and explain to them how Mary was going to become the mother of Jesus, even though Mary and Joseph had been betrothed, but not had relations with one another. But there's a detail about that that kind of fascinates me. Mary has this angelic visitor greeting her one day in her home in Nazareth. She has a whole dialogue with the angel and then has the further confirmation of this, this wondrous news with the incredible and miraculous news 
that her elderly relative Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. Joseph has an angelic visitor too, but his angel comes to him in a dream. And the angel comes not to announce glad tidings to him as the angel does for Mary. The angel comes in response to to Joseph being in a really difficult position. He's at a loss. Perhaps he's sad. He's definitely confused. Might even be a little bit angry. But he's most likely feeling unworthy. Matthew told us that Joseph knew that Mary was found with child through the Holy Spirit. And there's no reason to believe that Joseph didn't believe that. He loved Mary. And he already knew how beautiful she was interiorly. As she was full of grace, as the angel observed, even before she was pregnant with Jesus. So the theory that some propose that Joseph didn't believe her and was suspicious says more about the world in which we live than as a viable theory for Joseph. That Joseph doubted himself and was scared about what to do next, that made sense. Because after Mary experiences that encounter and agrees to what the Lord was inviting her into, and we know that she goes and tells Joseph, the scriptures kind of just matter-of-factly tell us that Joseph was planning on divorcing her quietly. But the more you you reflect on that and you dig into it, you realize Joseph must have been filled with self-doubt and unworthiness. Because Mary and Joseph were betrothed but not living together. A lot of times we think that that means they were like engaged. Well, in ancient Judaism, betrothal was more than what we would understand as an engagement. Betrothal was the time that they were already married, but before they lived together. It was this sacred time of transition. To put it kind of delicately, it'd be like the time between the marriage vows were exchanged at the church, but before the wedding night, if you get what I mean. So from the betrothal on, the only thing that could separate them would be death or divorce, which was something that was very rare, especially in this instance. So Mary tells her betrothed Joseph of this encounter with the angel Gabriel, how she would conceive a child by the Holy Spirit and how this child was to be Jesus and what this birth would mean for humanity. And we read Joseph, her husband, since he was a a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. And that one sentence says so much. Joseph is identified as a a righteous man, learning he would not be the biological father of the child that his wife was carrying is something that ordinarily would have brought shame to him and to his family. And had he been simply self-focused or suspected that this was a bizarre lie, he could have demanded that his righteousness be protected. He could have divorced her publicly and not even entered into some sort of a debate about the story that Mary was presenting to him. But that's not what happens. Joseph not believing he was worthy at this point to be Mary's husband and in a sense wanting to, to free her of being attached to him doesn't know what to do. It's not good. Divorce is not a good answer, but, but Joseph doesn't know what else to do. 
And as much as Joseph loves Mary, he thinks this is the only viable plan. But being a righteous man, he would have prayed to God, asking for guidance, looking for some sort of a sign that he was correct. And that's what we heard in today's gospel. It's such a, a favorite part of the Christmas story for me. God was unwilling to let Joseph move on through life with him believing lies about himself, of somehow being unworthy. God the Father sends an angel to Joseph in his sleep. And in Joseph's dreams, God the Father invites Joseph to let go of the self-doubt, to reject the voices of the devil speaking words of fear, instead inviting him to dream his dream. Dream his dream of being a father to his son Jesus. Not just in a, a spiritual way, but in a real way. A practical way. Dream his dream of, of taking this most favored daughter of his, Mary, full of grace, as Joseph's wife into his home, truly as his to love, honor, cherish, and protect all the days of his life. Dream his dream for Joseph with even more urgent tasks now that this child to be born has even bigger dreams than anything Joseph could have ever imagined for himself and his wife and his family before all these miraculous interventions. St. Joseph has taught me a, a few beautiful lessons with this that's helped me sh shape my understanding of God and I think are, are really important for each of us when we have our, our moments that we're asking for a sign and we're looking for God's presence. First is that we have to be open to how the Lord wants to speak to us personally, individually, and uniquely. So just because your betrothed gets an angel popping by the house one afternoon doesn't mean that's how God's going to come visit you. And that's a good thing. For me, while there are times that I think I kind of want that unambiguous, awesome, definitive direction from the Lord, there's probably a good reason why God doesn't speak to me that way. There's probably a couple good reasons. Mostly I'd probably be scared out of my mind. But for us, we, we always have to remember that God the Father, He who made us, who knows us so intimately, that Scripture tells us He knows the exact numbers of hairs on our head. For some of us, how that discrete number decreases with each passing day. He who knows us that personally, that perfectly, knows how best to speak to us. So I can't let my jealousy or envy that God speaks and works differently in one person's life compared to mine to enter in. Because if I do that, more than likely I'm going to miss how God is speaking to me. The second thing is to trust God, to trust his plan. Remember, he's got a 50,000-foot view of things. Actually, it's probably a little bit higher than that. His providence is at work in amazing ways. Just consider this. It's not a coincidence that there are two Josephs that are notable in Scripture. The first one in Genesis, who is famous thanks to a certain musical about his amazing Technicolor dream coat that you might remember. Well, he was a son of Jacob, who was known to be gifted by God with the ability to interpret dreams that were all prophetic in nature and would become a central character in the earliest chapters of Scripture 
and in salvation history and how God was going to save his people from sin and death. At that point, in a very particular way, is that Joseph saves his biological and extended family from famine. After having become the prime minister in Egypt, which would have been impossible for a Hebrew slave without God's divine assistance making it so. Well, think about the fact that St. Joseph was the son of another man named Jacob, would in his dreams be blessed with angelic visitations that were prophetic in nature, that would incorporate this Joseph in a very intimate way in the final and definitive chapter of salvation history, with God saving all humanity from sin and death in Jesus. It's a pretty spectacular coincidence, don't you think? It's doubtful St. Joseph would have made all those connections at the moment. Those are almost like Easter eggs in the story that were left for generations that followed to marvel at. Forgive me, I know all this might be the theological nerd in me that gets excited by these things, but the point is to trust God, to trust God, His plan that has been at work outside of human time and expectations. Trust that he always has and always is at work. But that he wants that work to be done not to us, but with us. He wants to work with us. And that brings me to the final point or the the final lesson that St. Joseph teaches us. And that's that we have to be connected to the Lord in our everyday lives so that we can know how to see him and to hear him and encounter him in those bigger moments when we're we're crying out for signs. Because Joseph had to have been a man of great faith and trust in prayer. He had to already have been a man in relationship with God to have been able to appreciate and to accept his dream. Because had he not, it would have been very easy just to dismiss this dream as some crazy dream. You can imagine him saying, I knew I should have passed on eating that camel last night, you know, or whatever. But because Joseph knew the Lord already, he was able to hear him speaking to Joseph in this difficult hour. He was already able to trust God's plan was greater than his plans. And he was able to get up and follow what it was that God was inviting him into and experience all the truth of God's promises. As we enter into this this last week of Advent, it's good to remember that Joseph's lessons remain true for all of us. Pope Benedict, Benedict XVI said one time, Advent invites us to pause in silence, to understand the presence It's an invitation to understand that the individual events of the day are hints that God is giving us, signs of the attention that he has for each one of us. So in other words, more than simply commemorating Jesus' birth over 2,000 years ago, we're being invited to see that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. His presence continues to dwell with us in a lot of ways, but most obviously in the scriptures and in his body and blood, which we're offered to take and eat, thereby making him real present in our bodies and souls. And in these ways, 
Jesus becomes even more intimately close to you and me than he ever was to St. Joseph, which is mind-boggling. So it couldn't, shouldn't come as a shock that he's speaking to us, that he's inviting us to continue his work of salvation in our day and age, helping to bring him to birth here and now, and providing all kinds of signs of those realities. What signs are you looking for as an answer to your prayer right now? What fears and doubts make it difficult to go to sleep? What are the things that seem impossible, the things that seem barren and lost and dead in you right now? The things that, if God himself asked you, what do you want for Christmas, are not any material things that we maniacally focus on on this time of year, but rather the things that are deepest in our hearts that we've kind of grown indifferent to thinking are unanswerable and impossible to happen. Jesus, Joseph tells us to, to trust God, be open and attentive to his plan, and even more to be open and attentive to the ways he's speaking to you right now, speaking to your fears, doubts, and worries, inviting us into deeper love and trust with him and his plans and his dreams for us so that we too can make Christmas truly a, a celebration of Jesus' birth for each of us and for the world once again.